Hey everyone, I'm Roy Townsend, and I'm the Grove Pastor here at the River Church. Thanks for checking out one of our messages today. We would love to get connected with you and your family. One easy way to do this is to text River Connect one word to 97,000, or you can visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and our upcoming events. If you'd like to give to the River Church today, you can text an amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can visit our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the message today. Welcome to the River Church. So glad you're here. If you have a Bible, we're in Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter number 5. would love for you to follow along. Even if you have to break out your phone and the Bible app, that's fine too. Matthew chapter number 5. Do you feel good? Hour of sleep? A little bit extra? How many of you are old people and you woke up at the same time? It didn't matter. The alarm doesn't go off. You still got up. You didn't get your extra hour of sleep. Eight o'clock gathering was 25% bigger than last week. So people are like, I'm up. I might as well go. Uh, But uh, we want to welcome you to the River Church. My name is Jason Combs. I am the location pastor here and uh, always love seeing you and and new faces. And uh, we are in a study right now in Matthew chapter 5. We're walking through uh, what is normally called the Sermon on the Mount. It's where Jesus preached. And so we're walking through his beautiful sermon. So Matthew chapter number 5. The Bible says in Matthew 5, verse 31, we're going to jump right into it. Matthew 5.31, and I guess just, just a little bit of help if you're new, understanding that Jesus preaches this. In the beginning, he, he starts with something called the Beatitudes, and he talked about the beautiful blessing of really knowing Christ as Savior, the beautiful blessing of having your sins forgiven and having your life changed and, and trusting in God and having your path of your life follow after Jesus. And then, really, this kind of second point in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you know, there's a lot of religious people out there that you may consider them to be good and righteous. And Jesus goes, they're they're not. They're fakers. They, They don't know the word. And he says, I want you to know that I have come not to throw away the word of God, but I've come to fulfill it. What the word of God says is true. And I want to show you what God's standard looks like. I want to show you that following God is through having a heart that follows after me. So he walks through these difficult things. He walks through anger. Last week we walked through lust. And nine times in this chapter he says, You have heard that it was said. Meaning these were, these were the people listening that most of them probably couldn't even read, right, the Old Testament Hebrew. They, they couldn't read it. And so it says you've been taught, but, but what you've been taught is not exactly the truth. It's been, it's been skewed. It's been misinterpreted. Here's what I want. I want you to understand what it means. And so then Jesus says, but I say to you. So this week is a real, real easy topic. Not many of us have dealt with this, not hurts or struggles or pain. Jesus said this. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, I just heard a lot of uh uh-ohs, right? Like it just happened. Whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the ground of sexual immorality, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. 
This morning I was in the office and Roy walked in and Pat walked in. I think Mitchell was there and I said, hey guys, I got a three-point sermon. I'm going to give you one point, you one point, you, I'm going I'm to back off of this one. Because this isn't easy. This week has been really sad for me. I've had to dive into the Bible studying about divorce. And, and we want you to know at the River Church, the reason we're speaking into this and why we think it's so important, because we cannot just pick and choose the stuff like, hey, we're going to teach on this, but we're not going to teach this. Here's what Jesus says, and I believe it's so important for us to understand it. I think it's so important to us to understand what marriage is and, and what God says divorce is and what is, for lack of a better term, val- what's a valid divorce. But the truth is, as God has called me to be shepherd here in Waterford, the truth is, I see your hearts. And many of you, your hearts are so hurt by this thing of divorce. You're... you're There are so many pains and struggles. I got ready to preach at the 8 o'clock gathering. I walked in the lobby, was getting ready to walk up there, and saw a lady who's been faithful to the church for a long time and just said, hey, I'm going to preach on divorce. And not long ago, her husband walked out on her. And I knew it would be hard and heavy, and it is not an easy thing. Why? Because I love you. And we all have, right, that pain and that struggle that... Every one of us in life has felt that in one way or another. But as your pastor, we can't shy away from what God's truth is here about marriage. What does it mean and what does God have for us? So this morning, because divorce leads to confusion and resentment and hatred and bitterness and hardships... It's so important to know what the Word of God says about it. And so I want to give you kind of a preview to what it's going to look like. First, my desire this morning is that you will see what the goodness of marriage is. What has God said about marriage? And that marriage can and should be a good thing. I'm excited this morning because there's middle schoolers in here, high schoolers in here, young adults in here. They need to hear because they haven't heard it anywhere else in life that marriage is good, that is God-ordained, that is a wonderful thing, that is something to fight for. It is something that is for life. They don't hear that at school. They're not going to hear that at friends. And to be honest, they're probably not hearing that at home. They need to hear what marriage is about. And listen, you could be married for a short time, long time, not married. You need to hear what marriage is about. Hear what God has. See, there is this a uh, little bit of war going on against marriage. Why? Because the evil one wants it destroyed. Wants it destroyed. Why? Because marriage is a gift from God that points us back to God's love. So I want you to know the goodness of marriage. I also want you to hear, I want to come against the loophole of legalism. I I want to come against those people who go, nope, I can get a divorce. See, there's a verse right here, and it gives me a loophole to not be what God has called you to be. And so instead of going to the word and trying to find 
what the word is saying and trying to, to love the Lord, we go to the Bible and go, well, I'm going to find a loophole so I can live how I want to live. I want to find a loophole so that the conviction that I have from the Lord, I can kind of push aside and be okay. So I want to come against the loophole of legalism. I heard this week, and a pastor spoke this a while ago, but he said, we care way too much about what we think and not enough about what the Bible says. See, in Isaiah 55, the Lord says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. And because we live in a culture that our thoughts are everything and what we want means I can do whatever feels good, We must come back to the word of God and find what God's love truly is. So I so want you this morning to hear about the goodness of marriage. I want you to, I'm going to fight against the loophole of legalism. And then I want you to hear about God's grace and forgiveness. Let me say that one again. I want you to hear about God's grace that is enough. I want you to hear about God's forgiveness Some of you in here have dealt with this. Some of you have have struggled in this sin. This isn't to go back there. You've dealt with it. You've repented. You come to the Lord, sit in his grace, and don't come to a guilt that isn't from the Lord. Hear me? You with me? You with me? Okay, just making sure. You got an hour extra sleep. Let's go. All right? But for some... I hope it leads to repentance. I hope you'll see something. Go, man, I got to repent of this. This is something that will destroy me. I got to come back and sit in God's wonderful grace, sit in God's arms. But to, but to know his grace and forgiveness. So this morning, for, you, for those of you who are note takers, here's what we're going to study. Matthew 19, 1 through 12, Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 16. And so in Matthew 19, see, Jesus talks about, it was said to you, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. See, Jesus is speaking against the Pharisees who said, ha, ha, ha. see, we found a loophole in, in the Mosaic laws that we, all we have to do is if we just have something against our wife, we can write her a certificate of divorce and we can be done with that. And so Jesus says, you don't understand what this is all about. And so in, in Matthew chapter 19, Jesus dives into this. Matthew 19, so take your Bibles, flip there. In Matthew 19, Jesus is in the region of Judea. These large crowds are with him. He's healed them there. And the Pharisees come up to him. It says in verse 3, the Pharisees come up to him and test him by asking this. Is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And Jesus answered, have you not read? Which is interesting. In Matthew 5, he doesn't say, have you not read? He says what? Have you not heard? He's talking to somebody different. He's talking to the Pharisees. Oh, they can read the Bible. They've studied it. And so he's saying, hey, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And said, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. And then they ask another question. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to him, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, again, see the rhythm here. Matthew 5, what does Jesus do? You've heard, here he says, you've read, and now Jesus speaks with authority and says, but I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. After that answer, it looks like the Pharisees bolt. They couldn't trap Jesus. They're trying to get him with trickery, and so they they leave. And now the disciples say this, which, as your pastor, I want you to know, I've never seen this before. I mean, I've never seen this verse. So interesting. Like, I've read it before. It just never popped out. Here's what it says. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of man with his wife, if, if that's what marriage is, Jesus, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, not everyone can receive this saying, but only those to whom it is forgiven or excuse me, to whom it is given. So this morning I want to answer, want to teach through the three responses. What the three responses are, Jesus says, this is godly marriage. And then Jesus answers, what is a valid divorce? Yeah, you can't wait to get to that point, can you? And then Jesus answers the last question by pointing us to the purpose of, and how to live, and why to live. So the first thing is this. The Pharisees try to trap Jesus. What they're doing is they come to Jesus, and there is great debate about this. There were a couple different camps in the religious world then. One of the camps felt like divorce was, they read Deuteronomy chapter 4, and they read the Mosaic Law, that the Mosaic Law was specifically for the Israelites at that time, but they said, hey, we've read this, and um, we see that we can, Moses commanded a divorce for really any reason. And so back then, if your white wife burnt the toast, you could divorce her. You, you, she put on extra weight, now you don't find her as attractive. You could divorce her. You could kick her out for no reason. What they were doing, they were legalists. They were using loopholes to go, I, in my selfish, lustful life, can check the box like, oh, I followed God's word, and I'm good. Yet Jesus was saying, no, no, you're sinful in your heart. I want to show you what marriage really is about. And so they said to him, is it lawful divorce One's wife for any cause. And Jesus answers by explaining what biblical godly marriage is. Here's what he says. Have you not read? He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. So let's stop there. Jesus says this. He looks at them. Do you know he who created them from the beginning? You know, you've read that, Pharisees. You know, there was he who created them. And Jesus is going, oh, it's, it's me. I, I created them. It, it was me. I, I'm the creator, the creator of marriage. And I love Colossians chapter number 
1, it says it so clearly about Jesus. Colossians 1 says this. It says, He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus looks at him and goes, Hey, you know the creation of marriage, the creation of everybody. It's, it's me. I, I'm the creator. And here, Jesus, right, in this beautiful answer, and here's what's so amazing about the Bible. Some of you are growing in the Bible, love reading the Bible. When you see Jesus answer, this, this answer is so beautiful. One man said it's like, it's like art. The more you dive into it, the more that you see. He says it this way. You got to find this quote. He says, This answer is brilliant and beautiful. All of Jesus' answers to this type of trick question in the Gospels are like inexhaustible works of art. You can look at them all day and listen to them hour after hour and still not exhaust their brilliance and beauty. This is God's answer and God's word. That's why reading God's word is so important. But here, when it starts on marriage, he says, the creator, that God, he's the creator of marriage. And then he says this, that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female. Now here we can sit in marriage and understand that marriage is created for a man and a woman. This is what the Lord says. When, when the Pharisees try to trick Jesus, where does he go? He goes to the Bible. When the Pharisees try to trick Jesus, where does he go? He goes to Genesis. When we try to understand marriage, you know where we go? To the Bible. We can go to Genesis to understand. And here the Bible says marriage, it is for man and woman. Now, I say that because very clearly the Bible says marriage is not for man and man or woman and woman. And there are people in the church, here's what they go. Oh, yeah, amen, pastor, that's good for you. We don't have that stuff in here. I'd like to take you with me one day. I'd like, I'd like to have you sit in my office. When mom comes in, who loves her daughter, and is wondering, how can I love her well? When mom comes in, and husband and wife, and the things that their kids are taught and they're struggling. And we now are not a church that goes, no, we're not going to have that stuff in here. You think that was my answer? No. My answer is, how do we love people with God's truth? How, how do we love? See, too many times we hear in the church, we'll go, I'm not doing that. Yet the son who's with his third live-in girlfriend, we invite them to Christmas every year and celebrate them. And we wonder why people call us hypocrites. When we go, man, that's adultery, but that one's okay, but that one's not. We are going to stand on the truth 
because we believe what God's word says is true and is the best and it is right. But church, let's learn how to love people, huh? There are people, they don't know the Lord. They're not going to follow the rules because they have no clue that God loves them and wants what's best for them. So may we understand how to love people and fight to love people well, huh? Jesus, here, when he talks about marriage, he says creator, he says man, and he says male and female. And then he says this, verse 5, and said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Five phrases here. All of those phrases, you know what they say? Unity, 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 unity. Every single one. Look back at it. You have your Bible. That's why I love you looking in your own Bible. Look, it says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother Hold fast or cleave, that glued together is that word there. And the two shall become one flesh. There it is again. And they are no longer two but one. There it is again. What therefore God has joined together. Let not man separate. Here Jesus is saying, hey, you you go to Moses, but I want to show you as the creator of marriage, what this is. That marriage brings two together. To read you a quote, in marriage, God brings a husband and a wife together in a unique and physical and spiritual bond that reaches to the very depths of the soul, blending two minds, two wills, two sets of emotions, two spirits, The Lord created sex and procreation to be the fullest expression of oneness. And the intimacy of marriage are not to be shared with any other human being. He says marriage is when two, two come together and are one. And is this glue. So why does it hurt so much? Why is there so much pain? Because when you glue those together and you try to pull them apart back to being one again, it hurts. It hurts. And the struggle and my hurt for you because I see you and I know you and there's pain there. Knowing this is what God has created, this is why it hurts so much. To talk to close friends, they've been divorced for 15 years and still that hurt and that pain and that struggle. And here Jesus shows us, shows us what marriage is why he created it. And there's one more thing in his answer. He says, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Who joins it together? Me, the pastor, says what joins that God brings that together. It is, it is the Lord. 
This is why divorce is so hard and so hurtful and such a struggle. So then, leads to this next question from the Pharisees. They said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce to send her away? They are asking, so what's a valid divorce then? Valid, I don't know if it's the best word, but what, I think of a valid driver's license. What, what makes a divorce valid? Can I tell you, divorce is not commanded. It's never looked upon with joy or wonder. The wonder it's, that's not there. But is there a divorce that's valid? So Jesus answers, Because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. They go, but Moses said, and Jesus said, let me trump Moses. Let's go back to the beginning. He takes them to Genesis chapter 2, and he says, this is marriage. And what Jesus does here in this answer, as he's saying, what's a valid divorce? He, in their question, he gives two corrections, and he gives one command. So they're talking about Moses. They're saying Moses commanded divorce. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, we, we have it. So in Deuteronomy, flip to Deuteronomy. It's in the very beginning of your Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, chapter 24. Here's the Mosaic law that was given to the Israelites. Here is what the Pharisees are using as a loophole. It says, when a man takes a wife and marries her. I want to give you a second because I love you turning there. It's on page 165 if you want to look. When a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes because he, have, he has found some indecency in her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of her house and she departs out of his house. And if she goes and becomes another man's wife and the later man hates her and writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Or if the later man dies, who took her to be his wife, then her former husband, who sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After she has been defiled, that is an abomination before the Lord. So I get it. What, you may, what, what is happening here? What, what does that mean? Let me try to explain this. The Jewish leaders in Jesus' day were using this to say, Moses commanded divorce. That's not what's happening. In the time of Moses, marriage was a wreck. Men were abusing women. Men would come and go, okay, yep, I don't want you. You burnt the toast. Get out of here. And they would throw them out. And women and children would be abused. And they would be discarded. And here, Moses is saying, we got to stop doing that. that. That is not allowed. So to read you one commentary, the Mosaic legislation, therefore, was introduced in order to regulate and control a situation that had not only become chaotic, 
but was grossly unfair to women and which in addition led to endless suffering on the part of both women and children. So Moses here to protect women. He would say, you can't do that. Matter of fact, you can't kick her out and then go, oh, no, 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 I want her back. That's why Moses said, no, you can't have her back. You're not going to take someone and abuse them and go, oh, yeah, fine, we'll be in. No, I'm going to be out. Not allowed. It was to protect them. It was also to bring a seriousness to divorce. That this is a serious matter. And men, you need to stop abusing them. So what really helped me was a man explained it like this. He said, just as a car is made to drive safely on the road, not to skid around colliding with other cars, so marriage was made to be a partnership of one woman and one man for life, not something that could be split up and reassembled where one person wants it. Moses didn't say, as it were, when you drive your car, this is how you have an accident. Rather, he's saying, when you drive a car, take care to not have an accident. But if tragically an accident occurs, this is how you deal with it. So Moses didn't say, go wreck your marriage. Moses was reacting to that, and that that law was to say, because this is a mess, this is how it needs to be dealt with. But too many times we do the same. We think of the wreck first instead of thinking what God has given. Instead of realizing marriage is something to fight for. You know, I've watched it in the church. I've watched couples who have been at the very end of the rope and they have fought back. And I've watched them fight back and fight back to where now their marriage is now strong. They now are godly parents. And and I've watched that and it's amazing. Maybe you're in here, you had parents like that. I had a lady come to me and say, you know, when my daughter was 17, she came to me and said, Mom, thank you for not getting a divorce. She didn't say, Mom, thanks for being a perfect mom and never fighting with Dad. Mom, thanks for making all the right decisions. No, no. She said, thanks, thanks for not getting a divorce. Why? Because she saw what it did. She saw the hurt. And so to fight for that marriage, to know the importance. And here Jesus, back in Matthew 19, speaks with authority and says, if you get a divorce and you go and are with somebody else, it's adultery. I believe what Jesus is saying, and this may be hard to hear. Jesus is saying the divorce is not valid. I know you have a piece of paper. I know the divorce is not valid. And when you've gone with this other person, this, this is adultery, is what he is saying. But you may raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. But you say, well, it, it, it says, but if there's sexual immorality, yes. Here the Bible says if there's sexual immorality... For lack of a better term, the divorce, I'm going to say this very softly, can be valid. And what I mean by that is God says if, if, if your husband or wife has adultery, and I believe it leads to unrepentant adultery, and 
There is this freedom for you to have a divorce that you are not under bondage. You can remarry, and that is not considered adultery. But I want to answer a bunch of questions now that I think it brings. There's about 1,086. I'll get to five. <laughs> One, you may ask, well, what, what then really is, what, what does this, you know, sexual sin, what does, when, when Jesus says this, says sexual immorality, what does that mean? When you go to the Greek word, the word means fornication, adultery, incest, bestiality, homosexuality. It is sexual relations with someone who is not your spouse. I I think a good definition of this is a mate who persists in his or her adulterous ways and refuses to repent. Some some of you may be studiers of the Bible and you may say, but pastor, in Luke and in Mark, when it talks about this, it talks about when when, uh, divorce is okay, it doesn't talk about sexual immorality. I think it doesn't talk about it because that was already what was accepted. See, the Old Testament law was if someone was caught in adultery, the penalty of that was death. There was already the death of that relationship. So that's what was expected. I think Matthew is defining this for us. Now, I will tell you, adultery does not command demand or necessitate divorce. What I mean by that is just because there's some kind of adultery, you don't have the right to go, out, over, good. I've been wanting out of this thing for a long time. Good. I'm good with God now. That's what the Pharisees did. God's desire is marriage. God's desire is to redeem that and to bring that back together and to to heal that. Some of you have fought through that and fought for that. Some of you have said, God, I'm going to fight for this. I believe that's the best. But if there is one who is unrepentant, then the Bible says there is a validity to this divorce. Now, let's ask him more questions. One more thought. If there is adultery, and I've seen this, whoever was offended, you don't get to carry the card around in your pocket. That every time things start to go bad, to go, hey, I can divorce you. I got the card. It's not what this is saying. It's not saying, hey, this was done wrong, so now I can, six years later, I'm I'm cashing it in. No. That's not what the scripture is saying here. So my next question that I think you will ask, is there anything other than that that validates a divorce? So 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. You having fun yet? I'm having fun. Can I pause again and tell you we are called to speak the the, God's truth in love. And man, that is what I hope you hear this morning. It's not about swinging a sword and going, you're bad. Please don't hear that. I so want you to hear God's grace and God's goodness, but I want you to hear God's standard and what God has for you. So please hear that. So for 1 Corinthians 
I hope you know I love you, and I want you to love the Lord. That's my desire. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 speaks this. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 says that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. What is going on? What is happening in Corinth? People were coming to know the Lord as Savior, so they would, they would be saved and their spouse didn't know the Lord. So Paul is answering, should I divorce them then? I know the Lord, he doesn't, I'm out. And Paul goes, no! If they consent, if they're in to live with you, do not divorce them, be with them, stay with them. I think it also points to middle school, high school, young adult, 50-year-old, 70-year-old, that if you are looking to get married and you are a believer, find a believer who knows the Lord. Again, don't find one with the get out of jail free I got saved when I was 14 card. Find somebody who lives it out and follows the Lord. But here Paul is saying, if you know the Lord, and now you go, well, we're unequally yoked. No, no, stay together. Fight for that relationship. Why? For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife. And the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Now, what does this mean? It means you who are saved impact your family. And if you bail on it, it doesn't mean because you're in it, they're all saved. That's not what it's saying. It's saying you bring the truth and the blessing to this house. You bring it to your kids and your husbands and watch what can happen when you bring that truth. So many times they'll come to know Christ. One said it like this. The Lord guarantees that the presence of just one Christian parent will protect the children. It is not that salvation is assured, but they are protected from undue spiritual harm and that they will receive spiritual blessing. Because they share in spiritual benefits of their believing parents, they are holy. Often often the testimony of the believing parent in the situation is especially effective because the children... See such a contrast to the unbelieving parent, and it leads them to salvation. So this shows that if you're married and, and you've come to know the Lord, if they live with you, do not get a divorce. But it says this, but if the unbelieving partner separates, let it also be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. They are not under bondage. They are free to go marry. They're not committing adultery. This is saying that if the unsaved person bails on the relationship, one put it like this, if there is willful desertion, God says you are free. So, what happens is people then come say this. Well, what about this situation? And what about this situation? And I think we have to be careful to not turn into Pharisees and go, okay, this lady is getting her face beaten by this guy night after night. 
But let's keep that happening until she gets the card of adultery and then she can get out. I think we got to be real careful there. I think when we start going, well, we've got to... The pharisaical law, and we'll walk through this. I think when we see, right, the truth and what God is saying here, if he is leaving, he's abandoned that relationship, and there's freedom. And the church is all about coming and rescuing and helping people in that situation, not going, nope, you got to get a card before you can do that. It's foolish. Foolish. So two more simple questions. I'll wrap up. If I sinned and divorced for the wrong reason, can I ever get married again? If you say, Pastor, you've talked about the valid divorce. I didn't have that. I got out. I, I, I was wrong. One, if, if you didn't know the Lord, man, I think there is grace there. You've become a new creature. But you may say, Pastor, I knew the Lord. I got out for the wrong reason. Am I, is it forever gone? Can I tell you what I believe? And there are pastor friends of mine that believe different than this. I I don't see the Lord holding you in permanent purgatory for the rest of your life. I do lean toward grace here. Now, I think people abuse this and, and, and three months later go get married to somebody else. That's not what it's saying. Do I think there's a time of repentance and, and forgiveness? Yes. Have I sat with couples who are engaged and they say, Pastor, we've both been divorced. We want to get married. And I've had very straight conversation and have told them, is there any way to go back? Is there any way to go? Is there any way to redeem that which was ripped? Is there any way? And I've landed, if they say there, there's no way, they're married, some, like there's no way we have repented, we have, I have, I've found grace there. And that may lead to some of you to say, Pastor, so I was divorced, I got remarried, now I'm in this marriage, do I get out and go back to the old marriage? No. You've made a vow. They're in the scripture in John chapter 4. It talks about the woman at the well. And Jesus said, you've had your husband. And the husband, the guy with you now is not your husband, but the four before that. And Jesus specifies your different husbands. Listen, where you are at now, who you are with now, you've made that vow and that marriage. Stick it out. Live it out. Love how Christ wants you to love. And run after that marriage as God's called you to. I believe that's what God wants. So Jesus answers the last question, which is the disciples say, Well, if that's marriage, like, how, how can you even do that? How, how do you have, how, how is that possible? Jesus said this, not everyone can receive this saying, but only to those to whom it is given, meaning God, God will give you the strength to what he's called you to, this wonderful thing of marriage. But then, to me, it is fascinating what Jesus says here in verse 12. He says, for there are eunuchs who are eunuchs, single people. There are some who are single. Some who are single from birth. Some who have been made, and then there are others who have made themselves eunuch, 
for the sake of the kingdom of heaven and let the one who is able to receive this receive it. I believe Jesus goes, hey, you know, there's some who are single and God's got them because they have sought out the kingdom of God. Matthew says, seek ye first the kingdom, right? To seek the truth of Jesus. And so he says, hey, and for some of you are single in here. Well, hallelujah, the Lord has a plan and a purpose. And he goes, hey, there are people who've said, I'll give up whatever because I'm going to follow and trust the Lord and the Lord's got me. And for some of you, the marriage, I, I have to live it out and the Lord's got me. But first, it's Christ and his truth. He brings us back to the gospel. See, if you've been with us and you've been in this series, if any of you, after listening to the last 10 weeks, go, man, I am righteous and holy and good, I think you're missing what Jesus said to begin the sermon. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Who's that? All of us who are sinners, right? Blessed that, hey, the one who looked at her lustfully, God's grace is enough. The one who yelled at their kids in anger and now they've repented and come back, God's grace is enough. The one of you who've committed adultery, repent of it. Hear me. It is not the unforgivable sin. God's grace is enough. Wherever you're at, hear it, know it, come back to the truth of Jesus and follow his standard and follow his plan. So again, I I just wrap up. God's grace is enough. Know it. Know what God says about marriage. Know the truth about divorce. And know his goodness. I'm going to read you one last poem. I was reading a book and talked of a lady who was wealthy and famous. And and life went crazy. And she fell into prostitution. And she was dying. She wrote a poem. A very sad poem. She said, fainting, freezing, dying alone, too wicked for prayer, too weak for a moan in the streets of this crazy town, gone mad in the joy of the snow coming down to lie and to die in my terrible woe with a bed and a shroud of the beautiful snow. The book I was reading said, Sometimes later, sometime later a verse was added by another that said this. Helpless and frail as the trampled snow. Sinner, depart not, Christ stoopeth low to rescue the soul that is lost in its sin and to raise it to life and enjoyment again. Groaning, bleeding, dying for thee. The crucified hung made a curse on the tree. His accents of mercy fall soft on thine ear Is there mercy for me? Will he heed my prayer? 
O God, in the stream that for sinners does flow, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. So thankful for the cross of Jesus. That as we look and see that we have a sinful heart, he died on the cross and rose again, that if we'll repent of our sins and trust in him, he'll save us, forgive us of all our sins, to have life eternal with him, and to walk with him. Will you stand with me, please? Listen, I know that uh, in no way could I hit every question or situation. You have a question, you have a hurt, you want to meet. That's what we and the staff are here for, to talk through that, to see if we can help to point you to God's grace, to point you to his righteousness. So if we can do that, we'd love to do that. Lord Jesus, thank you. We praise you, Lord, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.